This is News To Go, your daily news podcast featuring news from various news outlets, heard via our Anchor podcast app and playing on iRadio daily until mid-afternoon. Now the news. News Nation this hour, I'm James Sears. Another round of talks to stop the war in Ukraine is underway in Turkey. Turkey's president calling for a ceasefire. Ukrainian President Zelensky said earlier his country is prepared to declare its neutrality and is willing to compromise over the Donbas region in the east. As for the fighting, it continues to look like a stalemate. Both sides keep trading control of a town in the east and a suburb of the capital. Ukrainian forces have taken back Irpin, just northwest of Kiev. A U.S. official says Russian forces largely remained in defensive positions around the city and are gaining little ground. The U.S. is breaking for even more fallout from the war in Ukraine. Oil and gas prices already hit record highs, and now food and energy could be next. President Biden's top economic advisor gave that warning, but says inflation rates should still ease over the coming year. The January 6th committee says former Trump aides Peter Navarro and Dan Scavino should face criminal contempt of Congress charges. They voted unanimously yesterday to advance the measure to the full House. If the full House also says the pair should be held in contempt, they'll be referred to the Justice Department for possible charges. Committee Chair and Mississippi Democrat Bernie Thompson. They potentially played a part in an attack on American democracy, but they can ignore our, they, but they can ignore our investigation because they worked for the government at the time. That's their argument. Navarro and Scavino have claimed executive privilege and have failed to comply with subpoenas at least a half dozen times. And former President Trump's son-in-law and advisor Jared Kushner will speak to the January 6th committee this week. He's appearing voluntarily and virtually. Kushner was traveling back to the U.S. from Saudi Arabia at the time of the riot. Truck drivers are heading back to California after a convoy across the country. The group stopped in Pennsylvania for a rally yesterday, causing traffic delays during the morning rush hour. They'll return home to process a series of COVID mandates in the Golden State. And Walmart is about to stop selling cigarettes at some stores in California, Arkansas, Florida, and New Mexico. The retail giant plans to create more self-checkout registers in areas where cigarettes would normally be kept. The CEO has been pushing this for years. Find News Nation on your cable or satellite provider and stay up to date around the clock at newsnation.com and on the News Nation Now app. I'm James Sears. This is Olivia. A wet and cold forecast is coming your way from the National Weather Service Tuesday, partly sunny, with a high near 45. Southeast wind 10 to 15 miles per hour, with gusts as high as 20 miles per hour. Tuesday night rain likely, mainly before 2 a.m. Cloudy, with a low around 36. Southeast wind around 15 miles per hour, with gusts as high as 35 miles per hour chance of precipitation is 70%. Wednesday a chance of rain and thunderstorms before 8 a.m., then a chance of showers and thunderstorms between 8 a.m. and 2 p.m., then showers after 2 p.m. High near 68. South wind around 15 miles per hour, with gusts as high as 35 miles per hour. Chance of precipitation is 80%. New rainfall amounts between a tenth and quarter of an inch, except higher amounts possible in thunderstorms, Wednesday night showers before 11 p.m., then rain, mainly after 11 p.m. Low around 40. South wind around 15 miles per hour, with gusts as high as 30 miles per hour. Chance of precipitation is 90%. New precipitation amounts between a quarter and half of an inch possible. Thursday rain likely, mainly before 8 a.m. Mostly cloudy, with a high near 46. Chance of precipitation is 60%. Thursday night a chance of rain before 11 p.m., then a chance of rain and snow between 11 p.m. and 3 a.m., then a chance of snow after 3 a.m. 
mostly cloudy, with a low around 31. Chance of precipitation is 30%. Friday a slight chance of rain and snow before noon, then a slight chance of rain between noon and 2 p.m. Mostly sunny, with a high near 44. Chance of precipitation is 20%. Coming up on 5-Minute News. Federal judge says Trump likely committed election crimes. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis signs Don't Say Gay Bill. And Joe Biden says Putin remark was about moral outrage. It's Tuesday, March 29. I'm Anthony Davis. A federal judge, David Carter, asserted it is more likely than not that former President Donald Trump committed crimes in his attempt to stop the certification of the 2020 election, ruling on Monday to order the release of more than 100 emails from Trump advisor John Eastman to the committee investigating the insurrection at the U.S. Capitol. The ruling by the U.S. District Court judge marked a major legal win for the House panel as it looks to correspondence from Eastman, the lawyer who was consulting with Trump as he attempted to overturn the presidential election. Based on the evidence, the court finds it more likely than not that President Trump corruptly attempted to obstruct the joint session of Congress on January 6, 2021, Carter, who was nominated by former President Bill Clinton, wrote in the ruling submitted in the Federal Central District of California. Eastman was trying to withhold documents from the committee on the basis of an attorney-client privilege claim between him and the former president. The committee responded earlier this month arguing that there is a legal exception allowing the disclosure of communications regarding ongoing or future crimes. The March 3rd filing from the committee was their most formal effort yet to link the former president to a federal crime. Lawmakers do not have the power to bring criminal charges on their own and can only make a referral to the Department of Justice. The committee argued in the court documents that Trump and his associates engaged in a criminal conspiracy to prevent Congress from certifying Joe Biden's victory in the Electoral College. Trump and those working with him then spread false information about the outcome of the presidential election and pressured state officials to overturn the results, potentially violating multiple federal laws. The Republican governor of Florida, Ron DeSantis, signed a bill into law on Monday dubbed Don't Say Gay that forbids instruction on sexual orientation and gender identity in kindergarten through third grade, a policy that has drawn intense national scrutiny from critics who argue it marginalizes LGBTQ people. The legislation has pushed Florida and DeSantis, an ascending Republican and potential presidential candidate, to the forefront of the country's culture wars. DeSantis and other Republicans have repeatedly said the measure is reasonable and that parents, not teachers, should be broaching subjects of sexual orientation and gender identity with their children. The law went into effect just days after DeSantis signed a separate bill that potentially restricts what books elementary schools can keep in their libraries or use for instruction. 
We will make sure that parents can send their kids to school to get an education, not an indoctrination, DeSantis said, to applause before he signed the sexual orientation and gender identity measure during a ceremony at a preparatory school outside Tampa, surrounded by young children. Public backlash began almost immediately after the bill was introduced, with early criticism lobbed by Chastan Buttigieg, the husband of the U.S. Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg, and condemnation from LGBTQ advocacy groups. The bill's intentionally vague language leaves teachers afraid to talk to their students and opens up school districts to costly and frivolous litigation from those seeking to exclude LGBTQ people from any grade level, said State Representative Carlos G. Smith. Even worse, Don't Say Gay sends a hateful message to our most vulnerable youth who simply need our support. Joe Biden said on Monday that he would make no apologies and wasn't walking anything back after his weekend comment that Russian President Vladimir Putin cannot remain in power, attempting to turn the page on a controversy that clouded his recent trip to Europe. The president also insisted he's not calling for regime change in Moscow, which would have represented a dramatic shift towards direct confrontation with another nuclear-armed country. I was expressing the moral outrage that I felt toward this man, Biden said. I wasn't articulating a policy change. The president's jarring remark about Putin, which came at the end of a Saturday speech in Warsaw that was intended to rally democracies for a long global struggle against autocracy, drew criticism in the United States and rattled some allies in Western Europe. Richard Haas, President of the Council on Foreign Relations, said he believed Biden's comments on Monday were an effective way for the president to move beyond what was an unforced error. Haas had originally been concerned that aggressive American rhetoric could make Putin feel like he had little to lose by hanging tough or even escalating. Biden rejected the idea that his comment could escalate tensions over the war in Ukraine or that it would fuel Russian propaganda about Western aggression. He said he was expressing an aspiration rather than a goal of American foreign policy. On Monday, United Nations Secretary-General Antonio Guterres responded to Biden's speech by saying that we need de-escalation, we need military de-escalation and rhetoric de-escalation. Meanwhile, Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky remains exasperated with the pace of military assistance, accusing Western leaders of cowardice and repeating his request for tanks and fighter jets. You can subscribe to 5-Minute News on YouTube with your preferred podcast app, ask your smart speaker, or enable 5-Minute News as your Amazon Alexa flash briefing skill. Subscribe, rate, and review online at 5minute.news. 5-Minute News is an evergreen podcast covering politics, inequality, health, and climate. Delivering independent, unbiased, and essential world news daily. With SRN News, I'm Ron DeRostra. President Biden standing by his comment that Russia's Vladimir Putin cannot remain in power. Peppered with questions about his ad-libbed comment in Poland over the weekend, the president said he meant what he said. I'm not walking anything back. The fact of the matter is I was expressing the more outrage I felt toward the way Putin is 
dealing in the actions of this man. He insisted that he's not calling for regime change in Moscow and told reporters he was not concerned that his remark would escalate tensions over the war in Ukraine. Greg Clugston, Washington. California's first in the nation task force on reparations is at a crossroads with members divided on which black Americans should be eligible for compensation. Some want to limit financial and other compensation to descendants of enslaved people, while others say all black people in the U.S. suffer from systematic racism in housing, education, and employment. The task force could vote on the question of eligibility Tuesday after putting it off at last month's meeting. Also at SRNNews.com, the January 6th committee continues to turn the screws. The House committee investigating January 6th, 2021, has voted unanimously to hold former Trump advisors Peter Navarro and Dan Scavino in contempt of Congress. Navarro and Scavino have refused to comply with subpoenas from the committee. The 72-year-old Navarro was subpoenaed to testify in early February. Scavino was subpoenaed last fall, with the committee seeking materials relevant to then-President Trump's videotaping and tweeting messages on January 6th. In a recent report, the committee said it has reason to believe Scavino may have had advance warning of January 6th. The recommendation of criminal charges now goes to the full House for approval. Mike Gracia, Washington. Taking a look at futures numbers on Wall Street, the Dow futures up 80 points, NASDAQ's ahead by 27, the S&P 500's up 11 early. This is SRN News. How much cash can a cake sale make? $145,000. That's what the Ukrainian Pentecostal Church of Nicholasville, Kentucky, raised this month. And you can guess where it's going, to the embattled people of Ukraine. Organizer Victor Sotopina tells the Christian Post, quote, We never anticipated to have so many people come out and to raise that amount of money. Churches all around the U.S. are making donations to help Ukraine and the millions of refugees pouring across her borders. Michael Harrington, SRN News. Slovakia's parliament condemning the mass deportation of Jews from the country to Nazi death camps during World War II. Making the first transport to Auschwitz in March of 1942, lawmakers also asked for forgiveness of all those who survived and the relatives and descendants of the victims. Slovakia was a Nazi puppet state during World War II, sending some 70,000 of its Jewish citizens to concentration camps where most were murdered. This is SRN News. An investigation into how and why seven kids took prescription medicine then ended up in a Virginia hospital. Authorities in the town of Hopewell still trying to piece together what happened and whether any adults will face criminal charges. When police were called to a home, they found four small children unresponsive. Three other kids in another part of the house were awake but lethargic. Youngsters ranged in age from one to seven. The oldest boy told police he took his medication then gave some to the other children. Jason Walker reporting. Maine's congresswoman is a member of a new caucus focusing on the country's public shipyards. Democrat Chelly Pingree says the caucus was created to provide support to the nation's four public shipyards in Maine, Virginia, Washington State, and at Pearl Harbor, Hawaii. The shipyard repair and retrofit aircraft carriers and submarines. SRN News. From Feature Story News in Riga, Latvia, I'm Oli Barrett. Delegations from Russia and Ukraine are meeting in the Turkish city of Istanbul for face-to-face -face peace negotiations. The talks follow several rounds of virtual discussions which have failed to yield any major breakthrough. Julia Chapman reports from Moscow. 
The Kremlin says it's important that negotiators are meeting in person for the first time in several weeks. On certain issues, Moscow and Kiev do appear to be moving closer. Ukraine has agreed to a principle of neutrality, and reports suggest that Russia will drop its demand for so-called denazification. But the Ukrainian government wants Russian troops to withdraw from the country in full. It also wants binding security guarantees. The other stumbling block remains the status of breakaway regions in eastern Ukraine and Russian-annexed Crimea. Ukraine has pushed for those issues to be discussed separately. Julia Chapman, Moscow. Russia's Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov is expected to discuss fresh defence deals when he meets his counterpart in New Delhi this week. An alternative payment mechanism is also on the cards as sanction-hit Moscow looks for ways to continue its trade with India. Ishan Gerg reports from New Delhi. India is reportedly considering an offer to purchase commodities such as edible oil from Russia at a discounted rate. But the trade would require Delhi and Moscow to set up a payment mechanism that does not require the use of US dollars. With most Russian banks cut off from the SWIFT payment system, there are concerns that India's ability to trade with Russia could be severely restricted. Officials here have already ruled out the possibility of a rupee-ruble payment system. There are now reported talks of using the Chinese yuan as a reference currency. Mr. Lavrov's visit to Delhi assumes significance as Russia looks towards India to support its sanction-hit economy. But experts say there may be no easy solution to the problem. Ishan Garg, New Delhi. The Hong Kong government's being urged to speed up its relaxation of COVID-19 travel rules as the number of daily cases continues to fall. A range of measures are being eased this week, but industry representatives say it's not enough to help save businesses. Richard Kimber reports from Hong Kong. From Friday, Hong Kong will lift COVID-19 flight bans for Hong Kong residents wishing to return from nine countries which are currently prevented from flying into the city. It will also cut in half the penalties imposed on airlines who are found to be the source of imported infections. The tourism sector lawmaker Perry Yu says the rules are still causing widespread disruptions for airlines and that they're continuing to be unfairly punished. Hong Kong's chief executive Carrie Lam says the virus situation is still extremely serious and that the business community has to make sacrifices in the interest of public health. A Thanksgiving service for Prince Philip is being held in London. The memorial at Westminster Abbey celebrates the life of the Duke of Edinburgh who died at the age of 99 last year. From bureaus worldwide, this is FSN. With FSN Spotlight, I'm Simon Marks. Today, an eyewitness account of the bunker from which President Zelensky and his team are leading Ukraine's resistance to Russia's military onslaught. The description comes from Oliver Carroll, a correspondent for The Economist in Kiev, who was part of a team from the newspaper that secured an interview with the Ukrainian president over the weekend. It's a very unusual thing to be invited to the, the compound, the uh, presidential office. We took a while to get there. The route to the, the compound is usually about 10 minutes, but because of the way that uh, Central Kiev is now set up, essentially to disorientate any possible enemy um, group, it took about an hour to get there. And then we arrived basically at this, uh, as they described it themselves, the fortress, sandbags everywhere. We spent a, pretty much an hour, in fact, a bit, a bit more than an hour with the president and got to see how his operation is set up. And that was probably, for me, uh, the most interesting part of things because, I mean, I've, I've been in 
presidential and sort of prime ministerial offices before. And Zelensky's operation is much more horizontal. Everyone is sort of doing their own job and the president sort of lets them get, get on with that. I think that might be one of the reasons why this war effort is so unusually successful. He says the Ukrainian president was calm and told The Economist that he is stunned. The Russians are not even collecting the bodies of their war dead. Putin, he says, is throwing troops like logs into a train's furnace. I'm Simon Marks. To recap the top stories, delegations from Russia and Ukraine are meeting in the Turkish city of Istanbul for peace talks. Russia's Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov is expected to discuss fresh defence deals when he meets his counterpart in New Delhi this week. The Hong Kong government is being urged to speed up its relaxation of Covid travel rules as the number of daily cases continues to fall. And a Thanksgiving service for Prince Philip is being held in London. That's the latest feature story news. From Riga in Latvia, I'm Oli Barrett reporting. This is News Source 1 Michiana, Elkhart South Bend. When you look in the mirror, what do you see? How do you think of yourself when you look at your life? Are you proud of who you are and all that you can do? Or do you see that you're not all you should be and you never have been? Friend, I hope that you're honest enough to admit that you need help and lots of it, because that is the posture that places you in position to be rescued by the one and only God. Hi, I'm Pastor Joel of Heart City Church, and today we'll hear David model for us the proper posture of being poor and needy in his prayer in Psalm 86. Psalm 86. Hear me, Lord, and answer me, for I am poor and needy. Guard my life, for I am faithful to you. Save your servant who trusts in you. You are my God. Have mercy on me, Lord, for I call to you all day long. Bring joy to your servant, Lord, for I put my trust in you. You, Lord, are forgiving and good, abounding in love to all who call to you. Hear my prayer, Lord. Listen to my cry for mercy. When I am in distress, I call to you because you answer me. Among the gods, there is none like you, Lord. No deeds can compare with yours. All the nations you have made will come and worship before you, Lord. They will bring glory to your name. For you are great and do marvelous deeds. You alone are God. Teach me your way, Lord, that I may rely on your faithfulness. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. I will praise you, Lord my God, with all my heart. I will glorify your name forever. For great is your love toward me. You have delivered me from the depths, from the realm of the dead. Arrogant foes are attacking me, O God. Ruthless people are trying to kill me. They have no regard for you. But you, Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Turn to me and have mercy on me. Show your strength in behalf of your servant. Save me because I serve you just as my mother did. Give me a sign of your goodness that my enemies may see it and be put to shame. For you, Lord, have helped me and comforted me. Psalm 86 
is the sustained cry of a man who recognizes he needs God-sized help. And remember, this is David, the same guy who killed lions and bears as a boy and later slew a mighty giant. But David does not look at himself in light of his highlights. David sees what we must see if we are to find help and salvation. He sees that he is a man with a divided heart, a man with enemies too great for him, a man who is poor and needy. My friends, David has come to the end of himself. And friend, we need to come to the end of ourselves if we ever hope to find our beginning in God. And when we begin with God, we find we have hope, great hope, God-sized hope. Do you notice how many characteristics of God David had eyes to see after he saw himself rightly? God is forgiving, good, abounding in love, great, doing marvelous deeds, faithful, compassionate, gracious. The list just went on and on and on. A take home from Psalm 86 is this. When we take our eyes off our abilities, ourselves, and fix our eyes on our great and awesome God, we have certain hope. A second point is to see that David came assured that God would help because he was God's servant. Four times David appeals to serving God or being his servant. That should also cause us to take our eyes off ourselves and actually to first place them on Jesus, David's greater son who became the suffering servant, who was faithful to God and was attacked by ruthless men who ultimately killed him. But God heard the prayer of his servant and showed his strength by raising Jesus from the dead. And now we can come to God knowing that he has given us a sure sign. And by putting our trust and becoming united to Jesus, we can come to God and ask him to give us undivided hearts, hearts that fear God's name as we live in the land of the dying, waiting for our great transfer to the land of the living. So turn to God in all your neediness and find that God's love abounds beyond all that you could ever ask for or imagine. My friend, remember who you are and who you belong to.